0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back into the sixth straight victory episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on a Tuesday, the day before arguably the biggest game of the year, following one of our best wins of the year. I'm Nick Malone and finally after all this time, you know, I I've been doing solo pods for however long now due to, you know, tons of different circumstances. Uh but Noah Lurch is joining me today for the first time since we recapped Indiana State back in early December. Like I said, due to everything else, but it's glad to have, have him back for to recap that great win and then also to preview tomorrow's huge game, as I said. What's going on, Noah?
1: Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, it's as, as we know, the month of December is very hectic for the job we do and sometimes uh, working late, and it's best off for you to go ahead and – get a pod done and so we can get it out to you guys so it's not very late at night so you guys can uh, get the content. So it's good to be back and haven't um, since me, my last podcast, I was able to get back on it. We haven't lost since then. So six in a row, like you said, to start. So um, great atmosphere on Sunday. Got another win, but got a big one tomorrow night.
0: Yes. And as I said, arguably maybe biggest of the year with the Drake Bulldogs. And before we kick off, I just because I saw it recently, I'm sure you saw it as well. They posted that they were at AMC over here in Carbondale watching, I believe it was Avatar, because they were saying they were giving their reviews and saying how it was too long and and whatever. So they're obviously here ready for tomorrow night because they're they're a long ways away, but they got to enjoy AMC. Enjoy Carbondale just a little bit, so I saw that. So Drake is officially in the area. We'll dive into them at the end, along with tons of other stuff. We'll have takeaways of this of this game. We had obviously the coaches teleconference happened yesterday that we will talk about uh some tidbits maybe that other coaches had, definitely what Brian and Darren Devries had to say just some other things before we get into the large Drake uh, preview that just has some stats. And obviously, like I said, some stuff that Darren did say from that along with our typical thing. So let Noah, let's dive into this, this new year's Eve or new year's day game rather. Uh, and right away, I mean, everybody knows tremendous crowd. And we knew beforehand that it was going to be this way because they are posting how, whether it was the tickets things, but they were having so many like drinks for people, and when we showed up, it was, you know, lines were longer than, you know, you could barely even walk through the concourse to get to our seats, or like the the lines were that long as soon as you got in the building. So that had a lot to do with it. And we know we know the balloon stuff that happened. Great atmosphere. I'll get your your thoughts on. Because we posted about it, and it, it's it's you know crowds that we need to have all the time. We talk about it endlessly, and it shouldn't just take the ticket discounts or the special occasions like today. But no, that was great, and obviously led to our advantage in this game. We'll dive into. It.
1: Yeah, really. Um, I knew I knew it was going to be one of the bigger crowds of the year, but really didn't expect um, over seven thousand there on New Year's Day. I knew a lot of things happened on that, and a lot of people have probably some rough nights the night before, but, um, if the arena can be like that, I mean, it doesn't have to be like that. Like I said, for tomorrow night, I hope it's, um, 5,500 to 6,000. If we can get to that number every night and the more this team wins, uh, we can get back to like maybe the old good old days because it's a big advantage, um, to help our players feel the energy and, uh, to get to, to get through some of the, Um, tough stretches of the games because there's a lot of still offensive stretches where um, we need that extra boost to get a bucket or two.
0: Yeah, and there are plenty of runs in this game that fed off of this 7,119 in attendance. That is 86% of the capacity, which is right above 8,200, which is insane. And if you listen to the radio beforehand, Mike was saying how the, the top levels were filling up, which almost never do. So you had it in a you know, you had an indication, and then the parking lot we park in was also full. That you can kind of, you know, and as you said, people are probably rough that next day, four o'clock seems perfect, and it's a Sunday. People were gonna show up, no doubt. And that they did. Again, it just hopes it's not special occasions or tickets, which they're doing the ticket thing again. Um definitely hoping it can it can remain that way. Had a lot of people talking about it, Paul Paps. Uh, the alum from Dan Patrick's show was talking about how great it was. The players were after the game and everything. And we mentioned the balloon drop. Just an amazing, amazing atmosphere it was. Uh, and I mentioned pregame when Mike said that. And we'll start off with, obviously, more pregame stuff before the game. That, uh, it was actually from Brian's interview. It wasn't from Mike himself on the pregame. When we, Greg Sterick's been filling in for Rodney the last two games and has done You know his typical good job he always did in the past. Not sure Rodney's been up to he's been doing you know all the interviews but I think they said we'll get him back tomorrow but Noah he and we'll dive into it obviously you know the start of this game and how it went but and pre-game Brian didn't mention Scotty and I remember saying for the preview of Murray that he had the splint off and you could see him on the on the bench obviously he doesn't have it and we knew he was practicing around this time we thought it was going to be SEMO like before Christmas and obviously it's tailed off a little bit here and Brian still said that he's not fully practicing yet, but said maybe he could play in the in the next week or two. And he did mention Drake, could play at Drake. But Noah, we should take this with a grain of salt, because he also said we'd see JD at Tennessee State and we didn't see him for another month or so. But we think you know, we're thinking Scotty's closer than what JD was at that point, maybe. Adding him, Noah, will be tremendous. Like I said, we'll dive into the game and how our bigs are playing right now pretty well. Add him to the mix, it'll be ever so great you know obviously yeah through the stretch of these games
1: yeah definitely it's going to be really good to have him back um to even make our our bigs even better i mean the way jd and clarence are playing right now and even sometimes when cade gets his limited minutes um the group is playing at an excellent excellent level ever since jd got back i mean um we knew JD had improved and it just sucks. He had that back injury because this team obviously has been a lot different since he's back, but that Scotty, um, the start he had looked pretty good. I'm um, like really excited to have him. So a three big man rotation um, with the three athletes we're about to have is going to be insane to see.
0: Insane to see and defensively and scoring at the rim, you know, JD scored a little, you know, at the rim at, at times and, Murray, he struggled because he fouled out in that game, but he's been playing well two out of the three games now, and you add Scotty and that rotation is going to be crazy. It's going to be tough to score on us in the paint. That's the biggest impact we said Scotty is going to, was going to make is definitely rebounding, setting screens, but obviously protecting the rim and blocking shots as well. So yeah, can't wait to have him. We'll see and we'll see on the pregame. We'll retweet everything we see and if he does play if it's talked about in the pregame, they, they always post personnel reports. So we'll see if all that happens, but if not, it's fine. Cause we've been getting by to this point without them. Uh, and then we'll see them hopefully maybe on you and I on Saturday, well, I guess we'll find out and see. So now let's dive into this 18 point win, which as we knew Belmont was kind of hot riding in here. I mean, I'd said I didn't go through all the main stats for them. Cause it was just a lot to go through in short amount of time on new year's Eve. Um, but they are their tops. And as we know before, it's shooting their tops and pace their tops. And I'd say in the Valley, they're top 50, I think, in both of those regards in the country. So, Noah, they were riding in hot in this game. And we'll just say it now before it gets going, because he had the first shot of the game and missed. Noah Ben Shepherd is incredible. And we knew beforehand there's a reason why he was picked preseason top six first team. I'll let you dive into it before we, you know, and then you can take us through this how this game started. It was kind of back and forth, but Noah Ben Shepherd is, and I mentioned it with Rob Perry. He's every bit of what he's been advertised as, and Ben might be one of the best athletic wings of just a certain skill set that I honestly have seen. I've seen tons of them, but but Ben can carry the load for them, and he's every bit of elite on on both ends, but definitely offense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean um just seeing the way the guy made cuts and his first step um just shows you the type of athlete he is and uh it's it was crazy to see we knew he was going to be good and we thought it'd be a long night um i think he had ended up with 13 points in this first half but um really i mean off the get-go um i think when we got there marcus his hit the first shot um made it two nothing to us. Um, then, uh, bronze has got a mix mismatch on Lance. Um, he got to line one of two, um, just back and forth really, really quickly. Uh, Clarence got a layup, um, Fireberg hit one of his few baskets of the game. Uh, Tyson with one of his baskets of the game, made it five, four, then X answered that, um, six, five right there. Um, then JD got a layup after he subbed in to make it, but Shepard answered that layup with a three and with 14-10 left in the first half. It was eight to eight. So back and forth right away. A little bit sloppy by both teams, some turnovers here and there. Um, but really good defensively by us from the get go.
0: No doubt. Um it's definitely in the second half that was the case. And yeah, they started bronze. We uh K Tyson, who missed the Bradley game. He was sick. A lot of players have been sick. I mentioned Brian Moore, who played against Evansville for Murray. Uh, so some sickness going around. So he did play, and, yeah, he got on the board for them early. He, he's a nice player. He'll shoot from almost anywhere, and he's not afraid to take any shot, really. And Freiburg, we mentioned the Princeton transfer. He's got some size to him, like bulk-wise, and he can shoot. And there were times where they were they were putting out a lineup that was at least four or bigger. Like, and they will get into it. I mean, Noah, they played zone in this game a lot. and. I we did okay against it at times I don't know if we even saw it coming we know we can be kind of flustered offensively and be kind of caught off guard with something like that but so they were used that size with that zone they were using and you're right it was good seeing X and we'll dive in I mean he, he talked to the guys in the post game about his, his game and it was good to see him get going definitely in the second half he had Clarence on the board and we you mentioned Freiburg and Tyson a couple shots and then yeah JD had it it's weird with JD because Clarence, we think, when he gets the ball, he's scoring it well. He's scoring immediately. JD, and there were a point in the second half where he couldn't catch a pass. You know, he's trying to do something with it before he even touches it and goes out of bounds. But he did catch this one and had a left-handed layup. Hopefully, that can remain him finishing when he gets those these great passes. He had a dunk in the second half that showed that. But you mentioned Ben with the three. Yeah, they hit, they were playing shanks, making free throws. It was really back and forth all the way. I mean, you Noah know, Dalton scored at the halfway mark, gave us a one point lead with one of his really good layups from the left wing, just penetrating, got it. Dalton had a really good game in this, but Marcus living at the free throw line, Ben Shepard had a, a steal, which he almost like almost walked it to the rim for a dunk. No one really ran back. It was, he got in the passing lanes and went co- and went all the way. And then Freiburg made a three. They gave them a two point lead. Derek Saban, who we joked was Nick Saban's son. He's a, He's huge, and he was down there. He had an easy layup that we really gave up on on defense. Finally, called a timeout because we were down by four. And then Marcus and Ben, who are superstars that they are, were going back and forth. Ben had his own. They were literally back and forth. It was it was Ben jumper or and one finished in and or Marcus jumper, Ben and one Marcus layup, Ben three, and then it was nothing until Clarence had one of his layups to three minute mark, uh, down by four. Lance had a layup. Uh, or finishing an one, then they had a little bit here. But Noah, after Ben made a layup, that was because right before that, one of the worst calls I think I've ever seen. And you know, you've been you've been with me with SIU games for as long as we've known each other, and you know, we'll jokingly sometimes not jokingly, obviously boo when something's bad. And I don't know if you can attest to it because I feel that way about myself. I was never that adamant and as mad as I was in that moment because of how blatant they missed Ben Shepard kicking it out of bounds. And no ref saw anything. Three of them were on the court, and they still gave them the ball, thought it was out on us, and Noah got points out of it. And that's how the, the half ended. But just we talked about it, Knowing Jerry Shepard, I think, did the Murray game. It was awful in that game. And they really have, haven't had one solid repping game. You're never going to have that. But, no, that was the most blatant miss I think I've ever seen. And, like I said, led to points, which allowed them to have the lead that they did at the half.
1: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, they said the ball was tipped. I mean, it was tip, but um we hit it off his foot. I mean, it's blatant. Um, a tip a tip ball ain't gonna directly go out of bounds like it did. I mean, it was a very bad call, but um we were able to um bounce back off of that and um get a bucket with Lance before the half. Uh, but bronze right back to Right back got it back. It's 26-3, then Shepard 20, like you said, after that bad call. 28-23 at halftime. I mean, very bad. I mean, Trent had a turnover at the end of half, and luckily Fryberg missed a three at the end.
0: True. We were leaving him open at times, and they missed a lot of easy shots in the second half. It's just the fact that that ball went so hard and so fast out of bounds. It's like, how can that even – I don't know, but they were getting booed off the court. They were going in the Belmont's locker room. We were saying, yeah, follow followed them back to the locker room that they were helping them a little bit. So now let's dive into how the second half looked. And it's always nice. You know, we were sitting in an area where the connection was kind of bad uh, at times. I was able to get this halftime tweet off, but we were able to get the sheets that they provide for us. They print out for people. And we were able to see stuff like plus minuses um, Marcus had Seven almost 17 minutes in the first half. He had a plus minus of two. The lowest Noah was X, which was odd because we mentioned he just ended up turning around in the second half with a minus 11. We were minus five as a team. You said to me that you know, because Foster did play six minutes, got two shots off two threes, he was the best plus minus at five. Dalton was a two, so was Troy. Um, but I remember tweeting at the time that. Outside of that blatant call miss, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Like, it was five, could have been three, and should have been three. The game was kind of at hand, you know, at that point. We didn't really take taken a whole lot from it. I guess just get a couple stops is what the mindset was at that time. Noah, what stuck out to you at the half? Like I said, a lot of minuses on our group. For Like I said, Lance, Lance even, 16 minutes with Marcus, had a minus eight. Other than that, what really stuck out to you even from that or a team perspective that we definitely turned around in the second half?
1: Yeah, really just I mean, seaton in the first half, oh of ten for the team from three, um, that definitely changed in the second half. we able to knock down a couple. Um Belmont was three of eleven from three for twenty seven percent. Um when we only got to line three times, they got to line five times, both knocked down three. Um but really it was it was a big first half with able to limit him limited to – it could have been a lot larger lead because um, we had a couple sloppy turnovers there and uh, they got an extra bucket off that bad call. But um, it was a – it was a decent first half. We were able to um, limit them to what what they could get the lead to, Cut have, have it to only five before the half was big time. Um, the crowd was able to – after the festivities, able to um, – Helped them get back in at the second half. But really, I mean, the Jawan did not do much in the first half. Um, I think at one point he went back to the locker room. I wasn't sure what for. We were sitting on the other side of the arena. Um, but he came back and then came back in and just obviously he's probably not 100% from his injury last year, but he just didn't look right to me. So I don't know what happened there. Nobody asked, um, Brian about it in any interviews so far, but, um, I love what i seen out of Clarence and J.D. in the first half. Um, Trent, with a minus seven, did not get a shot off in the first half. Um, did not put a – had a turnover, and that's the only stat he had on the stat sheet. We got to have more out of Trent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, able to – with a bad shooting with three-pointers, o of 10, to only be down five at home, that's um, a positive probably right there.
0: For sure, and you mentioned Trent, I agree, because he hasn't, and he was in an interview, I think they posted, on game day, and was talking about, you know, his shooting struggles, and how he's going to snap out of it, and, you know, that he's trying to do his best to, like, impact the game in other ways, which we know he was, and Lance was on Ben a lot, they were on each other, and Trent, you know, at times was getting back down in the post by Freiburg and a lot of others, so, and was getting... You know, it was getting fouls called on him. So it was kind of a struggle with that. Like I said, they had a lot of thick guys. And even if he was on Ben, he, we as you said at the start, he cut so much. It was hard to stay in front. It was one of Trent's probably toughest matchups he's had that we can remember. But, yeah, I think the threes will start to fall for him, we hope, anyway. Obviously, it will help us even more as a team. And you mentioned the festivities. Yeah, the balloons, they had them all around four different locations. And they took them forever to get them. I think they're all supposed to come down at once. One did, and then they had to take a while to get the others, but everyone was popping and We were talking about how the second half with free throws, it was going to be uh, – they were they were telling people to keep them off the court, but the popping noises, is say, I don't know if you want those during – be an advantage if they were shooting free throws and a disadvantage if we were, people start popping. But they got them off in enough time. But, you're, yeah, overall, I think it was that hand. 0 for 10 from three to start is tough, uh, very tough. I think we we almost – Started that way from three. Not totally. We made one, I think, at the Murray game. So we haven't really started the game well from three. But we know these second halves have been dynamite. So, yeah, the the five-point deficit. So let's get into how this, this second half went. Marcus got us on the board. Cut it to those three, what it should have been. So it should have been a one-point game to start. Either way, regardless. Uh, no, here's a stretch where we thought it could have got away from us. Because Freiburg went one of two from the free throw line. Lance missed a layup, and we'll get into Lance. coaster again. But he had moments, and he had a really bad missed layup in this one after Freiburg went one of two. And Cade Tyson went down, made a three early in the shot clock. No, and at that point we were were questioned. There was a lot of time left, but we're thinking barely a minute went off the clock. But, you know, if he's pulling and making that, it's tough for us to get back in it if our offense was going to kind of look like how it did in the first half. Thankfully it wasn't. But Clarence matched Cade after that three to make it five. He went one of two from the free throw line. Uh, Keyshawn Davidson is one of their good freshmen. Uh, he started, didn't do a whole lot in the first half, did make this jumper to to get it back to around six. Lance finished an and one, and, and that's the thing. Noah he'll go down. He'll literally almost go coast to coast and get an and one. And like I said, it was a takeaway. We'll just touch on it now that um, – the fact that he needs to pick and choose – he knows he can get whatever shot he wants. He just needs to pick and choose when it's appropriate because, you no, know, if he goes down and, and bricks, a, bricks either a three or one of those layups then he turns around again, knows he can penetrate off Ben Shepard all game and then finally gets, gets the foul. I think he got pushed in the back and made it. I mean, take us through some other things after that, you no, know? I mean – He and then he's he's been making his free throws. He's like a sixty low sixties percent free throw shooter in his career. We still kind of hold our breath when he gets there. Finishes this one, but no, he could pick. No, Lane can score whenever. Lance can score whenever he wants. And like I said, picking choosing just the right time because shot selection is one of the worst that we know about and one of the worst in the league, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he can get he can get downhill whenever he wants, and I would just wish. He would have that mindset of getting downhill to be able to set set up that, that three-point shot um, that he has. I mean, it, it'd be a lot better um, instead of him having to take the the 40-footers he has to take. Um, he could use that because when he gets – he can finish around the rim. He's He can get and ones because he creates contact when he gets downhill. So um, I just wish he would use that to set up the three instead of just – Launching them anyways, but right after that, a and one uh, Shepard got back to line to extend it back to four. But there's Lance again, jumper, um, to get it. Then Dalton with a, a steal, uh, X miss a three, but Lance got another steal, got a jumper to cut it to one 36 35. Uh, Shepard answered him 38 35. It was it, that little stretch seeing them, those two go back and forth. Uh, pretty exciting basketball. Then Dalton um it happened at murray dalton hit a three and everything a lot of other threes started going in for this team so um let's make sure he gets one in the first couple in the first 10 minutes so threes can go down tomorrow night so dalton hits a three to tie it at 38 um davidson misses a layup lance hits a three this was the stretch where arena really got rocking um back-to-back threes by banks and jones um to take the lead at made it a Belmont timeout, turned into a media timeout. But um, two big shots, like I said, once Dalton it happened at Murray, Dalton hit one, and things started to happen. So he does it again. So big momentum swing, um, be able to take the lead, 41-38 with fourteen fifteen left in the game. No doubt. And because Ben had a 13-point first half that
0: – uh you know, and we'll talk about his final score. He really scored it all in the first half of the second half. And I believe his last points was at 12.58. Uh, he had a layup, but you're right. They were going back and forth. And, again, they were guarding each other. So it was nice to see whenever Marcus and Ben were going at it in the first half. And exactly right. It happened in Murray. happened here. When when we get ex- either at second-chance points or just in general, Dalton's getting a three, he's nailing it. And you mentioned Lance as well in his threes here that – shut down some fast break ops for Belmont. And I remember saying when digging deep to the stats that Murray was a really good uh, transition team. Belmont, I guess, is the middle of the pack, but obviously just in terms of stopping runs, I mean, Lance, again, would, like we said, would have an awful shot, get the and one, and then have another awful shot. But then to stop a transition on defense, he'll literally just steal it from them and then get us back in the half court and set up an offense. Like, that's just the kind of dynamic player that he is, and he had a lot of those. I don't remember which one it was, but he did have that first one, and then he had he had one I think he stole from Ben. I think Shepard was the one he stole it from at half-court and then got it back. But, yeah, after Lance had the three, Jawan had his only points, which was a layup. JD had the dunk, and it's great seeing our bigs roll. We know Clarence has a great role, and I almost want to say they don't even fully set screens. No other just their uh, – they're just diving to the rim. They're slipping. And that's what it seems like Clarence is really good at. He's more slippery than JD is JD's just a brute. And on this play, he it was he kind of set a screen, but it was kind of a slip as well, an early slip that Barkus just, you know, threw right over the defense for him and he took one dribble and dunked it. Gave us the five point lead. Like I said, Shepard, those his last points around the 13 minute mark. And then there weren't points. But no, it was just a lot of, I mean, JD had a steal through this. They were fouling us. They weren't in the bonus yet. They were just missing shots, and I'll get into it again. Brian mentioned that they were missing shots they usually do make, and so he said there was some t- stuff to clean up defensively for us, but I think that has a lot to say with – you know, I think most, some of these shots were open, but I think a lot of them were contested and a good job by us. I, I'm surprised he didn't give us more credit in that regard, but X had a layup here. Well, this is the one where Clarence kind of forced one, and it got blocked with his left hand. I actually didn't mind the attempt. It was contested. I guess he should have passed to that or something. But as soon as he got an X, got the rebound, and got the layup, which made it to a seven-point lead. And then, you know, they were just getting a couple of shots more at the rim. A lot of – I mentioned the size. They showed a lot more of their size in their zone in the second half. But it was 47-42 for a long time up until uh, Marcus made two free throws. Fryerberg made a jumper to cut it to five. So, 5.50 left. No, this is when we were saying, okay, it's a five – you know, nine or seven-point lead, rather – Around six minutes, it happened in the Murray game. It happens in a lot of games. We have a nice lead, and it just matters of closing it. Because once you go up near ten points, other team, and you allow a run by the other team to get it to as close as it was. And Noah, we thought that was going to be the case when Fryerberg hit that jumper to cut at the five, and X had him with another layup. And then, like I said, he kind of took over here. Take us through the rest of the second half when we really, really pulled away.
1: Yeah, we definitely needed um X to step up in the second half. Didn't have the best first half. Um but like you said, um he he had a jumper here um with five twenty seven left to make it fifty one forty four. Then he hits another three to make it a ten point lead. Um we got another stop, a turnover by K Tyson. Um uh, Clarence, this is the no look from X to Clarence, make it a twelve point game. Um Fireberg misses a three, forced one up. Um, X missed a three, but Troy in there with that closing lineup kind of um, gets an offensive rebound, puts it back up, makes it 58-44. X gets a steal from Shepard. Lance hits a three, and right then and there with 211 left, it's a 15-point game. About, you could say it was over right then and there. Arena was rocking. Um, Lance was playing to the crowd. Um, He likes – he likes when the crowd goes loud and he plays to it hits a big deep three um it was a big time going up fifteen, um expanding the lead like that. It was good to see to be able to finally close out a ball game,
0: yeah, after he hit that three at the two minute mark, it was kind of the dagger, and you're right he'll if he gets the crowd behind him, him the team, but he'll feel it yeah hold then he'll shoot from anywhere, and luckily got it there. you mentioned the the offensive rebound by Troy, and that just reminds me. Uh, that J.D. had a couple of tip outs, I think, on like one possession or back to back possessions had just tipped it back out to give us these second chance points. And Sarah kind of mentioned it at the start of the game on the pregame. And I I think I kind of touched on, on our preview that uh, Belmont's not a great rebounding team. They have decent size to them, but they don't rebound especially all that well. So we were able to get some of those tip outs. And that was, I think, just effort. And I think Casey Alexander talked about the game that they let the crowd get to him a little bit and the effort kind of wasn't there that we were definitely out efforting them, but you're right to that point, And, you know, Troy did score off that. And then he had a dunk to end it that made it the final score that it was 63 to 45 victory, just a dominating second half. As we've said that into this box score, now before I get some quotes from Brian, uh, I mentioned, uh, we almost never go through the other team. Just, Knowing that Shepard only had six second half points, uh, had six rebounds. I guess it didn't score through the way he had six turnovers, which led the game, I believe. Uh, So, you know, he was their best. Fryberg did okay. He was, but Ben was the only one in, in double figures. For us, though, Noah, 35 minutes for Marcus. That still wasn't the most. Lance had 37, six of 14, two of eight from three, 16 points, three steals, three assists, two rebounds. You name it, he did it. Um. Uh, so he led the way in points once again. Marcus wasn't too far behind him. With the fourteen, he had five assists, uh, four rebounds, and Noah. You mentioned some of the bigs. Let's dive into to one of them first. Clarence nine points, five rebounds, but he had three blocks. And we've been talking, and when I was going through some of these stats, saying about blocks, it's like we barely have over one a game, which is lower, way lower third of the NCAA. Seeing Clarence get three of them is huge. Uh, Foster had one in this game. I don't recall that one fully, but Clarence did have three of our four. Uh, Marcus was four for five from the free throw line. Did miss the one, unfortunate. No, what else stuck out to you? I think one of them I can definitely say is how JD did on the glass.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, JD um had a really good good twenty one minutes when he played. Um, got the four points, but nine rebounds. Um, was able to uh, affect the game defensively. Um, he's been really good so far since he's been back. Um, Troy with a, a, a really solid 14 minutes, um, really good stretch there in the second half. Ended up with four and three. Um, he's starting to find that that, that role outside of when the season started. He was having to play, play the five man. So um, he's found his role there. Um, Jawan with 13 minutes didn't do much foster didn't play in the second half um but really the bigs i mean if you include include troy in there right now the bigs are playing very very good basketball um really good to see um i think at home you need get you need to get to the line more than 10 times but um 70 from there starting to prove the free throw shooting a little bit but if you like three point shooting, this was not the game for either team four of 19 for 21% for us four of 22 for 18% for them. So, um, not a good three point shooting team, um, but dominated the game. We, Brian preaches, paint touches 44 points in the paint for us to 16 for them. Um, that's the biggest advantage we've seen in a long time.
0: No doubt. And, um, I think one of the other things was we we went through some of the players there. Dalton, fifteen minutes had you know, had five points, but they were trusting him a lot. And besides the threes, like we said, the layup that he always does, the three that he hit, that was huge. Uh I mean, just knowing that Dalton's had a lot of rough patches this year, but he's been turning it on a lot and Brian's been trusting him a lot. We still need to see more from Jawan. You mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned earlier about his injuries, uh, or the injury that he sustained or the injury prior. Clearly he's not the same player. I think at the start of the year we were seeing a little bit more athleticism from him. Uh, Well, I recall like one big offensive rebound he had against Murray through like a bunch of big boys. So like you see it, but then you see like to where he's not the same. And one of the reasons why he's not the same also is because he's not scoring for us. He only shot once in 13 minutes, but you're right. He probably came out at times due to that injury that I get. I I honestly don't think anybody else. So you said that he was messing with Riley over there and went back to the tunnel um, uh, but I don't think anyone else would have maybe saw that, but you're right. And then X, he, like I said, talked, he talked after and the post game had nine points, uh, did well in 28 minutes, shot nine times, which X has. you know, like I guess at times he'll shoot a lot at times he won't. So it was good to see him get those shots up. we mentioned Trent struggled a little bit. Let's dive through quickly. Some of the team stats, you said points in the paint. You're right. And, um, when was the last time we got outshot from three by anybody? And you you mentioned, yeah, they, they shot three more than us. I think that was a little bit forced near the end of the game. But we allowed them to only shoot 33% from the field. I want to say they were pretty high in their efficient field goal percentage. We are in the top, like, 45 in the country. They're they're not bad. They're not as high as us. But letting them shoot that is crazy. That shows the defense. And like I said, Brian mentioned the kind of missed shots they usually make. Um, forced 15 turnovers of theirs. We beat him in almost everything else, had more steals, more blocks. Noah, quickly, what else stood out to you? This was – men- I mean, I'll mention maybe in our regard, efficient offensive percentage. You know, 46% is a nice number. You mentioned only shooting 10 free throws, not a whole lot. Uh, but keeping them to 33%, a Casey Alexander-led team that you know is going to be buttoned up, that's pretty – That's obviously shows
1: how elite we were in that second half. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, we are able to s- – our defense has um really started to play very good basketball um defensively here, be able to buckle down and uh Marcus mentioned a little bit today in his interview we'll get to, but um it shows with the depth of this team that you can guard a lot better with the depth, be able to get breaks for some guys. Um we had fifteen bench points, they only had four. Um so a lot of a lot of a lot of depth be able to wear teams out saw a little bit at the murray as well so um building a guard the way this team wants to guard a brian mullins led team um this team is starting to lock in defensively and it's a really good to see so we gotta we're, we're gonna need it um because at times this this team um can't put a uh can't put the ball in the bucket very often so um the way they're playing defensively and the way their bigs so are really helping that is a really good thing to see.
0: Exactly. All all great points and the things that we did well. You mentioned the points in the paint was yeah, 44 to 16 near the basket. Incredible. They were relying on jump shots a lot. And from three. Just an incredible performance on our end. So we'll get into some we'll just touch on some more takeaways. Kind of talked about some already. Let me talk about some quotes Brian had after the game. He said the crowd, the atmosphere. The special place is what I told the guys after the game. To have the community come out and support us like that, I really appreciate it. For our guys to weather the first half and come out and play the way they did, I'm just happy for them. It started with our defense in the second half, getting stops and some steals to be able to push in transition. We attacked the paint a little better in the second half, and it's really complete team effort. And he said our guys didn't let up defensively in the second half. It was a team effort because guys were helping each other when someone got beat or switched off that's a tough team to guard because they played with such great pace. I think overall we did a good job of being consistent and to play defense like that over 40 minutes, it takes a lot of effort, end quote. And I do think this is, you know, there are obviously bad moments, but I wouldn't say there are any terrible moments in this game at all. This might be one of our most complete games because, you know, like I said, it should have been a three-point game at half. It wasn't for the kick. You know, you just deal with what you can. There's missed calls all the time, even when they're that obvious. Uh, but again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that we had, you know, a whole lot of bad in this game. Definitely one of our top 40, uh, 40 minute performances. So Noah, quickly some takeaways here. Uh, you mentioned O of 10. I think we were actually O of O of 12 from one point of three. I think Brian said after the game or Mike did, or one of them did, uh, we mentioned how elite Ben Shepard is and, I don't know. He had nineteen against us. He'd been averaging around maybe eighteen to twenty through the first four valley games. We'll get into another topic here about you know who might be leading the Larry Bird rate. Some other some main options because we have one of our guys that could that will uh what's leading to four games. Mentioned Lance's roller coaster. Lance was Missouri Valley player of the week, which I wanted to touch on because obviously Noah, I mean We recall he had 21 against Murray, which and we welcome both these teams to the Valley, and Lance led the way in that regard. Uh, Not having it in front of me totally about what his stats were on the week, but I think it said it was his first this season, clearly. Third or fourth of his career. Uh, Yeah, the fourth weekly honor for us this year. It's the first – no, that's the first player of the week for Lance in his career, which is crazy to say. 18 and a half, three and a half assists uh like we said mentioned with these great games, what is that math? 37 points the last two games. That's crazy. That he that's good. And we know that there's been a lot of other good performances around. He's apparently shot 14 of 30 from the field to get this honor, which is obviously huge and mentioned the second half defense. So no final thoughts on this game, you know, and go ahead and pick out who you think could be a dog of the game after this and we'll end it on that starting off twenty twenty three with a bang.
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was a great environment to play in, great to see um the Ben Ter per- Center um get its biggest crowd um in a long time. I think twenty sixteen they said so uh really great environment to see um the balloon dropping was um a little underwhelming but it was pretty cool um, but, yeah, big-time win to uh, continue this win streak um, to welcome the the two OVC schools to the Valley with uh, two wins in a row here um, to get going, to get some momentum, to keep the momentum going in tomorrow night because it's a big one tomorrow night. So, uh, dog in the game. Uh, I know X was big in this game, but I like J.D. I mean, J.D.'s defensively and be able to clean the boards – and give us four points. Anything he gives us is a bonus. So, And one of those was a big dunk um, he had. So I I would say J.D.
0: 100% agree. I think J.D. was my dog of the game after the SEMO game. was I said at the time his best career game as a Saluki, which is saying a lot. We know he only has one full season to show for. I can't think of ones last year. That one and then this one, it does show. And Brian touched on it. He was asked in the teleconference about J.D., about hitting what he's been going through, how and how he's been doing the last two or three weeks and now helping us. Uh, yeah, and then I think there was something else I wanted to touch on, but no, let's dive into now uh, the the games that happened. Obviously, a lot has happened. There were two more games this week. We're now entering the third week of two games. Dive into what has happened, and we'll touch on some of these games that have happened, a lot of good ones.
1: Yeah, there's been some really good games. Uh Saturday um uh, wasn't a good game, but Bradley blew out UIC seventy-nine forty-five up in Carver Arena. Um Dean laid the Dean led the way fourteen points. Mass had thirteen points and seventeen rebounds rink um uh, with our, we're gonna need uh our three man big rotation to go against a guy like that. And they added um a new big man as well. Not sure if he'll play right away, but they have some bigs um, we're gonna have to contend with. Then you uh, and I um, comes back on the road at Illinois State, 66-60. Bowen Bourne leads away with 25 points. Uh, Titan Anderson was also good in this game. So you and I um, still battling. Got a lot of injuries. I think we have a five update here um, at some point uh, on Saturday. Indiana State. Goes on the road at Valpo, sixty-eight fifty. Um, Indiana State stays undefeated in Valley play. Cooper 16 points for them. So um, Sycamores stay hot. Um, they got some interesting games coming up for them. Murray State goes on the road, used to playing um, in uh, the Ford Center. So they get a 78-61 win, blows them out. Um, Justin Morgan, um, the, the really good freshman out of Memphis, led the way with 15 points. Um, Rob Perry um, with 13 or 14 and eight to go along with that 15 by Morgan. Then to close the night on uh, Saturday, Drake went on the road and fell to Missouri state who has, as surprisingly to some um, found their mojo and they're starting to play really good basketball. Dana Ford has them going Um, 52, 49, uh, DeVries, Tucker DeVries did have 20 in this game on nine of 21 shooting. Um, but uh, Donovan Clay, 15, eight and five, very efficient. Seven, 11 did get to a thousand points on the season. Uh, Kendall Moore with 13 off the bench, uh, the Colorado State transfer. So um, the Bears starting to f- find their mojo, like I said, to get going. Um, then look ahead. Um Tomorrow night, where no teams have played yesterday or today, so all back in action tomorrow night. You and I travels on the road to Valpo. Belmont is taking the trip up to UIC. Indiana State at Illinois State could that be their first chance to get knocked off? Um, then Bradley at Murray is a very interesting one. Then Evansville has to travel to Springfield, Missouri, take on the the team I just talked about, the Missouri State Bears, who playing very good basketball, so um, some really besides, like I said, we talked about it um, off the pod earlier, Bradley-Missouri State's very interesting, and we'll stay tuned to that Indiana State-Illinois State because um, Illinois State, always tough place to play, so um, excited for another loaded slate for Missouri Valley basketball.
0: Yeah, and... Going back, because, uh, I, we, you know, we both kind of do. I do whenever they post something just to see what they have to say in general as March to the Arch guys. and They had a Drake fan and a Bradley fan on that people know, and the Drake fan was talking about how, you know, this game with them coming up, you know, this dog of Missouri State, as a lot of people have, rightfully so, and it's funny because, you know, they did in a beating his team that he ended up talking bad on them, and I, that's the thing. And you and I – I say you and I, you and me both know I had Missouri state picked high and they were kind of, I don't even recall where they were middle of the pack. Kind of, it seemed like, and we knew that if once they were healthy and yeah, I'll, I'll dive into after I'm done here, just the statuses, you mentioned five, some of the statuses here, they've lost a couple of guys, but I think their talent is too good to be bad for a while. And granted they barely escaped Drake at home. People are talking about how there was a bad call or whatever, but and people want Dana Ford fired. It's like, you know, that can – just in terms of, you know, being inconsistent and not getting over the hump with Dana. But he got to an NIT. You know, he had a really good year that he can recruit like heck. He can get transfers. Like, I think fans would want that as long as it's – you know, they got screwed in the Valley Tournament, as we know, you know, quote-unquote. Like, they had chances here. If I'm people, I wouldn't be calling for Dana's job. Because as long as he's there, he's going to recruit and get you good players and, and compete. So they got that win. You're right. They're hot. They're going to beat Evansville tomorrow. So they're going to be riding and be four and one. You mentioned the Murray state Evansville game. You're right. And I believe, cause I listened to the, I mentioned the guy I listened to from Murray state pods. He said that Rob kind of went down in this game. Like I think he said he heard his, he heard his foot, I think. And then came out, came right back in, but he was talking about how the dynamic of if he goes down, they're screwed for sure. But just you know, a tidbit from that. You're right. They play there a lot. They know how to play there and they dominated them. Yeah. Indiana State will have some tough games. I wanted to go to those real fast because we'll talk about the spreads and we'll talk about our spread, what it is when we talk about Drake. But uh, you and I's three point favorites at Valpo. Let's do some quick predictions here. No, I did on the last one. It's kind of fun. I, I, I missed Bradley at Belma when I did him however long ago. I'll just run through them and you tell me who you're going to end up picking on this. You and I, you mentioned the games, but you and I, three point favorites at Valpo. Do they cover and they win on the road? Absolutely. Minus three, uh, Indiana State, six point favorites at Illinois State. As you said, it is a tough place to play. We would love, and it's tough for us to win in our game, no doubt about it. But we would like some help from the Redbirds in beating the Sycamores here. Noah, six point favorites, Indiana State. Do they keep it within that, or do you think Indiana State wins above that? I'm gonna say the Redbirds cover out out at home, and then I mentioned Missouri State's. I'm uh, talking about my boat still. I I think you and I covers that, and then Indiana State covers that. I'd say they win by within ten, but it's over six. Uh, hopefully not. And then Missouri State mentioned fifteen; they're gonna win. Noah, that number has been, and I I forgot what game it was. You always feel like that's too big of a number. We've seen some blowouts. Like you mentioned Bradley and UIC. And it is Evansville, Missouri State, and the Missouri State's at home. This actually might be the one that I might pick them winning by more than that and winning. I'll take plus – definitely for them to win, plus
1: 15. What do you say? Yeah, I agree or with fifteen. Or minus 15. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the other way. I think it's plus 15. That's a big number to cover. I think uh, Evansville's got to start figuring something out so they don't get blown out every game. <laughs> They're on, definitely on pace. They might, they could beat Valpo. Valpo's not bad. They're better than Evans. I don't think
0: Evans was going to win a Valley game. Uh, Belmont, four and a half on the road at US, UIC. Casey talked about how – and it's so great that we got the game that we did against them to give them a taste of the Valley. Hopefully we can do that when Murray comes in here and then UIC does to give them that taste of what it's really like. Casey's kind of flustered in that team. But, no, I think they go in there and get that four and a half point spread in Chicago – and get that dub. Uh, what do you think? And then give me your prediction, and I'll end with that great Bradley Murray State
1: game. Yeah, definitely think uh, Belmont can cover on the road to get, start trying to get back on that right track. Uh, UIC is a tough team with Jace Carter, the way he's playing defensively, and uh, Toby Akani. So uh, those two will be tough, but I think Ben Shepard and company will get back. I don't think UIC will get after um, those guys. So they'll have some. Open looks more than they did Saturday or Sunday. I think. I think
0: Casey on the teleconference mentioned UIC's athleticism and their ability to get in the fast break and you know, score honestly when they want to. So that that will be interesting. I'll take it. And then yeah, this game and this is Murray's first game that's actually against you know they played us and that's the only top half team they've played so far. We mentioned barely beaten Illinois State, barely beaten Valpo both in overtime, us beating them, then beating Evansville. Well, this is the first test for Murray, and they're going to have – I mentioned Brian Moore's back. That's going to be tough. No, Bradley four-point favorites at Murray. And you mentioned the big man that they have. They're not sure if he's going to play, but he'll be ready at some point. Bradley's relatively healthy. Tabanainen's playing well. That whole group, Jay Sean, they're coming off the bench and playing really well. No, I think this will be an amazing game. And it would make sense for Bradley because – Stats-wise, they're ahead of us in defense and stuff. I want to say they do win, so Murray ends up dropping two in a row at home. But there is an announcement that thinks Murray can win because it is at home. But no, I'll say Bradley doesn't cover the four. I think it's within four, but Bradley barely gets to win in an amazing game.
1: Yeah, that's going to be, uh, other than our game, the best other game of the night. And I think uh, – I don't think Murray, I think – I think I think I seen on Twitter today. Kindergarten through college students get all get in free, so they're going to look to pack it to get back on the right track to start another home win streak, and I think they do that.
0: No doubts. It'll be fun to talk about these games, and you mentioned we'll talk about Saturday games before we preview them on Friday as well. Quickly, I'll run through some more things here so we can get going a little bit. Uh, I mentioned the teleconference. Nothing notable from any other coach besides I mentioned Brian and Darren. I did just end up putting on here because obviously we play them. We play him in eight days. About shirts saying how uh, Robbie wasn't supposed to start. Cade McKnight was supposed to. You know, he's been dealing with injuries and it's a blessing for them that Robbie has played like he has. And he mentioned he doesn't like playing over 10 guys. He doesn't like getting guys five to 10 minutes throughout a game, which I just. The only reason it rang about with me is because we sometimes do that and we mention no all the time with rhythm and shirts definitely doesn't like not being able to keep guys in consistent rhythm. I respect that he's an incredible coach as we know there's a reason why they're four and although you said yeah they'll test. they won two great two great two really good games, and you know a little bit funneling around they'll be five and before they get some good ones but i I wanted to touch on that other than that though brian i I already mentioned all of what Brian had said about kind of. We've been playing well, but you know, still had a little bit of he. He did credit our recent success with having more home practices and having that stretch of home games. knowing this in this win streak, which definitely makes sense when we're on the road a lot. Before that, I think that can definitely you know getting the group more together, sleeping in your own dorm bed, you know, not having to travel. I think that can easily be a reason why success can happen. And Brian did credit that. Uh, And he still says we still need to emphasize our bench needing to be a strength the rest of the way. Uh, We'll mention Darren's at the end whenever we preview. Uh, So let me run through some uh, you mentioned Fife and yes, because I I saw Harry post his new year resolutions for the Valley and it reminded me about Fife, but just the fact that he was going to be reevaluated this month about his uh, his blood clots. And we know he had the lingering effects and issues from COVID and you and I could really use him after losing night heist for the year. Uh, you know, a couple of their bigs, like Cole Henry, have been playing good for you and I. We'll talk about him at the end of the week. But obviously that's huge. Not sure if he will come back, but it's just something he'll be reevaluated this month. I mentioned Missouri State being without a couple of guys. We know Matthew Lee's been out since the second game of the year. Dawson Carper now uh, apparently has dealing with a knee injury that could keep him out. Dana, uh, Dana didn't really confirm that officially, but – I mean, that's obviously huge. And no, we talked about it because Carper – and you said Donovan Clay, 1,000 points, great to see. Uh, but no, Carper, I think, averaged maybe four and three or maybe around that. It's off the top of my head. I did look at it previously. But, no, I mean, that changes everything because they're already big. They're one of the biggest teams in the league. Without that seven-footer, maybe he's not given the production, but he's just someone in there to – you know cause havoc, wreak havoc and just be a presence that nobody wants to drive in even with the bigs that we'd have to match nor that's that's obviously huge news and obviously you and I could use five as well so two big big men news around the league
1: yeah most definitely i mean the carper uh doesn't play a lot of minutes but he like you said effective when he is in there takes up space defensively able to rebound um and yeah five not being healthy really hurts that team. Obviously, um they've had some younger players step up, but without Heisey and him, um, their team is pretty much depleted. Um, but yeah, hopefully he can get back. Uh we know at one time he was an all conference type level player and it was a big time threat down low. So um if he would ever if he gets back at some point before we play them, um we'll have three guys to throw at him. So um, hopefully he can get back and hopefully Carper not season ending because um, like to have teams at their best when we play them. Exactly. And I can see Fife immediately becoming a coach following the
0: Seth Tuttle route on that staff. For some reason, I can just see it. Uh, You're right. He's been a great player in his career. And, uh, you know, we do, we want to beat teams at their best. We just want his health to be, prominent and good clearly and yeah carper definitely want to beat them when they have him just just knowing that he is that presence and um so we'll see what happens we really only want to, the teleconferences are great they'll happen every week or every other week preview or recapping the two games previously and stuff so we'll always retweet that and talk about news from that definitely from brian and the team we're playing but for sure any type of injury news and anything else that happens uh some other things here no, and I'll get your thoughts on this other thing. I just I saw this earlier as well, and it just stuck out because I know they're not a deep team. We just played them, and just because we know Marcus plays a lot and Lance plays a lot, but uh, Jacoby Wood and Rob Perry are leading the Valley in minutes. I think it's like 35 and 36 respectively, whatever it is, and and might be even by percentage-wise they're over other guys, but they're leading the way. Like I said, they might end up wearing down for that reason. Their stamina is better than what a Marcus is for why he would wear down but they're not very deep and you know quickly I'm sorry you know I'm going on whatever because I know did you end up because re- you weren't able to watch them again did you re-watch it and we just talked about their matchup with Bradley and stuff and uh, they're not deep but what do you think of them if you did watch them and their talent because we're thinking they'll remain around the middle of the pack as well but that could obviously be a reason why they won't is because they're not very deep what do you think of the racers
1: yeah I mean obviously a really athletic team and a guy like Perry, um, if he gets going, I mean, he can lead them to a lot of a lot of a lot of things. A top five finish easily. Uh, didn't see. I mean, DJ Burns, really, really good rebounder. Um, I think he is at the top. Um, I think he's second in the league in rebounding, but offensively, he doesn't give you much. Um, we know Brian Moore did not play in that game, so um, don't know if he helps them that much, but. Um, I mean, I mean, it's they're they're going to be a lot of a roller coaster. I mean, they have to get some guys get going here. But Jacoby Wood, very good player, Um, averaging 11 a game for them. So uh, Wood and Perry can lead that team. They need some. They're kind of like Marcus and Lance. They need help, and I'm not sure it's there.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jamari Smith struggled against us. He had a nice dunk I saw in that game. I mean. Just because they're big, and DJ Burns can't shoot, he can't really score, but he's he does take over room him himself and is athletic. That game of all is going to be great. I think Murray's going to be fine. It's just yeah, they're going to win their home games maybe if they're supposed to. It's like you and I is going to maybe hope, you know win most of their home games, but we'll be around the middle of the pack. I um, Just wanted your thoughts on that because then that segues us now. No, before I breeze through some other things before we get to Drake, let's talk about and we'll talk about maybe every four games just because it's a topic now, and we're talking about how great Marcus is playing. Let's screw some of, the, some of these options real fast, and we'll start out with Marcus in terms of the Larry Bird trophy and who's going to win player of the year this year. No more A.J. Green to hog the awards. No more Lucas Williamson to put his name in. We know who the preseason favorite was. Seems like he'd still be leading the way right now, Noah. Marcus so far, he's still leading us in every stab besides blocks and steals, which he always led us in definitely blocked. Clarence took that over now with about a half a game. 17 for Marcus, six rebounds, averaging out to four assists, 50 from the field, three turnovers, has to do a lot, Uh, one steal in 35 minutes, 83 from the free throw line, 34 from three, talk about before he can be a 50-40-90 guy, not right now, maybe by the end of the year, Noah, just because he has to do everything for us, it makes sense, he's clearly one of the best players in the league, he's playing like he should be right up there near the very top of this award so far, Let's go through some other players and who's playing really well. Overall in the whole season, we know it only counts in conference and there's four games. Uh, But who else do you think, if you were to lead out a top five and rank the five, if you would, in your opinion of who's leading what and obviously some of the options?
1: Yeah, just, just real quick on Marcus. I mean, he's top five in scoring. He's top eight in rebounding. He's top six in free throw percentage. He's top six in um, assist in the in the conference. So um that speaks. We know everybody knows how much he um the load he has to carry for this team. But yeah, other guys obviously um we mentioned in the the preseason favorite Tucker DeVries um second in the league in scoring at eighteen point seven three. Um he's averaging um just under Marcus in rebounds at five point eight seven that's tied for 10th in the league. I mean, he's, he's up there in three point. He's shooting 38% from three point land for ninth in the league. Um, he's getting to the line shooting, um, just, just under, um, Marcus at 78%. So, um, this is a guy that he's also in the top 10 or in the top 12 in assists as well. So this is obviously a guy that's going to contend, but, um, He's going to have to do a lot more to if his team starts to fade here a little bit through valley play. Um, obviously, we saw the another one the other night and Ben Shepard averaging 18 a game. Um, he's doing a lot for that team. Um, he doesn't rebound as much as all the other guys do, but he shoots great from the field um, at 45 percent. Um, then he's shooting 39 percent from the three point line. So, um, this is a guy that could very well if Belmont can stay in that top five range. Um be player of the year. Um so those are those are two with Marcus. Um some other guys I don't think on the outside looking in um play on some one plays on a terrible team that's Ben Cricky. I mean he's averaging 17 point nine points a game. Um he's averaging five point eight rebounds. He's doing a lot of things um for Valpo. Um, so he's going to do a lot, have to do a lot to win player of the year. Um, but I think an underrated guy right now is Bowen Bourne. He's leading the league in scoring 19.9 points a game. Um, this is a guy I think you had second team preseason all conference. Um, if they can if you and I, I mean, they've had some tough stretches, but they're playing some decent basketball right now with him and Titan Anderson. And those guys, oh, if they can get maybe a five back or something and he continues to lead the way in scoring and they finish top five, he could easily win it.
0: For sure. And that's honestly, I I wouldn't really say that he would be leading because you do have to play on near a top team. And you, even if you put up, unless you put up like 25 to 30 points in the league and your team's at least six, seven, eight, then you have a really good chance, obviously. But uh you're, yeah, they're going to win some games and they're still going to fight. They have the best coach in the league. So he's going to be up there, but you're right. It seems like every time we look at a box score of his, he's scoring over 20 points and he is special without a doubt. It's going to be fun guarding him with, uh, with how our guards can get after somebody, especially when he's the root cause. Cause people are, you know, the root player on the team, everything goes through him. People are talking about his defense is and great, obviously with his size, but he'll score on you. No doubt about it. Some other guys, you mentioned some of the top ones, no doubt. We mentioned, because we we played Rob Perry, he was averaging before the Evansville game where you said he had 13. He averaged, I think, 25 a game through three Valley games and had, I think, was shooting 57% from three. Um, So he's up there as well. And then because, you know, on the 4-0 team, it seems like it'd be remiss to not put – uh, and McCauley. I, I botched it. I know it. I wanted to say it right. McCauley, though, Noah, he's leading the way for them. 17-5. We know how he is. We saw him in person. Going to see him, like I said, in eight days. Because he's on the leading team, it would seem like he'd be up there as well. He wouldn't be leading. It would be, you know, Tucker, Marcus, Bowen, I think. Then, like, Ben, Rob. It, it's close. We have a lot of stars in this league, and I just wanted to touch on You mentioned Cricky's going to be on a bad team all year. And Evansville, Illinois State, UIC doesn't really have anything to offer. We didn't say, you know, Bradley, you know, Rick Mass is – he doesn't qualify for the leading score right now. Uh, Duke Dean does, who's going to be on an all-newcomer team more than likely. But Mass is still putting up in six less games than what they've played, 13-9. and nine. And then Missouri State, Donovan Clay, and guys like Chance Moore have been putting up numbers for them as well. So definitely a lot of options. Wanted to touch on that because we think Marcus is rightfully up there. A lot of good players in the league. We'll dive through that, like I said, every four games or so, so about every couple weeks. Uh, so there's that. one wanted to touch on it, and then I'll breeze through some other things here. Some separate topics. It was fun because Noah and I, we were at a buddy's for New Year's Eve, and we were just passing time at one point, and we were watching a review or a, a uh, the highlights or the almost the whole game. We wanted to watch the whole game of our sweet 16 came against Kansas just to rem, uh, reminisce a little bit. That was fun. That's how we spent our new year's Eve is watching those breaking our heart a little bit, but just knowing the good old times, as always, uh, we did have a updated top 25 from mid-major that uh, I saw, I believe we were 23rd on it, uh, which when you mentioned to me earlier, we're, you know, Bradley's 21st on there and some other ones, not a whole lot of Valley teams on the on list like that, but we haven't been on it in a while. It's good to be back on lists like that, getting like the attention from a lot of people. Uh, and then Rocco Miller had his – I think he had us in the in the low 20s on one of his lists again. Uh, and then uh, Bracketology, Lenardi, he's had Drake in there. He's had Bradley in there. Now, Noah, he's got – Indiana State as our automatic qualifier. Rightfully so With if he just looked at the standings and picked somebody. Heck, he had Eastern Illinois picked. For their so he just looks at the standings and just picks the top team. I guess doesn't really dive into it. 14th seed. I'm not sure who they played. Didn't don't remember. But no, I'll dive into what the seeding probabilities are from Matt Hackman at this moment. Uh, some surprises on there, but it's it's even across the board from like at least the first half almost.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. love always seeing these probabilities and seeing um, as the season go along, you look at them even more closely to see what happens here. Um, But right now, Bradley, highest for the one seed, 42% to win the league. Um, Indiana State at 29%, I thought. Um, that's a pretty big difference between the two. Um, then at the two seed, obviously it, it would go to Indiana State at 24% right now. The three seed would end up Missouri State at 20% with the best chance to get that. Um, We're at 19%, so it's really that close for that three seed. We're 16% for that second seed, so right there, um, close to it. Uh, 19 is our highest percentage for the three and the four, so right there with Missouri State for the three and four. Then right now, uh, Drake would end up the five seed potentially with 18%, which um, that's something you and I talked about. That would be worst-case scenario if we were to win the four seed and end up have to play – a veteran team like that, and Drake, who as of late we've been unable to um, beat. So they've been ending our season. Um, They ended it last year, so it would suck for them to end it again.
0: Yeah, I think even if Drake or Drake fans looked at that, they'd be surprised. But that is kind of how they're playing, and we'll dive into it. But uh, people are still high on Bradley, and I wonder if they're looking at their personnel that they're deep, and, you know, the, rightfully so how they're deemed. No doubt they're they're getting healthy and they're adding on to their team. Definitely makes sense. Uh, you know, I don't know if they look into, like, their schedule and how it favors them, if they have some tough ones and they have a lot of easy ones. And probably not, but uh, obviously they're picked for a reason. Uh, you mentioned how it is for us around the fourth. Row. Yes, would be terrible to be matched up with Drake. And that's why – because – the latter part of this league, we mentioned like the Murrays, the Belmonts, the UNIs will be around the middle. Even Illinois State will be tough, but you know, you want to be in position, hopefully near the end, kind of where we're at right now, tied for second. You want to play the Evansville's, the UI, you know, you want to get the bye, obviously, because we know we get that for Friday, and then you want to play teams. So that's how it would play out. I keep forgetting that sometimes it's not, you don't get the terrible teams, but you want to finish in the top four, but yeah, you don't want to play. Imagine Drake playing on (laughs) – Drake playing on Thursday night would be crazy. But, yeah, that will be updated every single time, I'm sure, every week, and we'll take a look at that because then that segues us into maybe it doesn't matter where you're ranked because, no, we were looking through it earlier. You found it after we went through it however many years. The last one seed in the Valley Tournament to win Arch Madness was the undefeated Wichita team of around, what, 2013 – as we know, and that's crazy to think about. There's been, you know, Illinois State's been the one, Loyola's been the one, you and I's been the one, and none of those teams could get it done. And we talk about, you know, Drake at the at large the year they didn't win it. If they were the one that year, you know, you and I didn't last year clearly. And you know, it is what it, we know what it, how it's been the years, but clearly it doesn't matter. But you want to obviously have the most convenient possible road, and that's what matters most in seeding. But the one one seed does not favor winning the valley tournament and we're not saying we're going to be that how nice would that be no doubt but definitely want to be in the top four so there was that we mentioned and we'll touch on canard again uh, on friday because that'll be the day before no and i are in highland to watch him play in the main event we'll touch on more of that and some other highlight uh we'll we'll just give you guys a a small rundown that day of who we'll be seeing but obviously we're going for canard that'll be an update after that after we're there on Saturday, we'll definitely have an update about him. We talked about the matchups, other matchups going on tomorrow. Now, Noah, let's dive into this game. I was recalling arguably the biggest of the year, uh, one could say. Let's talk about the matchup with the Drake Bulldogs before we get into personnel and some other things. It is the 101st meeting between us two. We lead the all-time series 60-40, to 40, which is crazy. It's just 100 and it's 101st. Uh, we're 34 and 13 against them at our place. We were called the game last year. Um, we we lost by what I think four or three, and I think Lance made a half court shot, or that was you and I. We lost. I'm sorry, because it was back to back games. The you and I game was that game, the Drake game, Noah, was whenever we had we were down by one, Marcus had the ball with like 20 seconds left, took him forever to get a shot off, barely got, got the shot off, and missed it. That's how we lost excruciating and then you mentioned yes we did lose to him in the tournament a lot of revenge we're not playing well against them as you've said and they've won seven of the last 10 meetings and five straight in the series definitely to get off the hump here we feel like we're getting them at a vulnerable time noah uh quickly dive into what they've experienced this year their games how they've lost in their four losses or what they've lost and then we'll get into quotes and some of their personnel that a lot of people know already and some stats dive into what they've been through this year.
1: Yeah, this is a team where coming into it, obviously was the overwhelming favorite in the league, bringing back obviously Tucker, DJ Wilkins, Roman Penn, Brody, Garrett Sturts, having a guy like Calhoun to the team. Um, They're 11 and four, obviously two and two in the conference so far. I won four on true road games. So, um, this is another one they get um, tomorrow night on a true road game um, they have some decent whims they were down in the Paradise Jam where they won that tournament um, they beat Buffalo, Wyoming and Tarleton State um, they ended up starting Valley play at Indiana State where they lose by two in a very late one where Tucker did not get a call on a shot in the late in that game um, then they beat uh, UIC at home by 13 um, they went to Richmond um, got beat by 30 did not expect that we didn't think Richmond was as tough as they have been um, they go to SLU play decently well lose by eight at SLU then they go to the battle in the vault and they knocked off at the time number 15 in the country Mississippi State by six um, they blow out a non- a non-division one team they get a win at home against Valpo by five. It's pretty close, um, but a lot, a lot of get Valley games end up that way. Then we talked about it earlier. Um, lost by three on the road at Missouri State. So um, back-to-back tough road games here um, at Missouri State, then they get to come to Carbondale. So not very good on the road. They've, they are 4-0 on neutral site games, um, but this is a team that, as up and downs not as deep as they have been um they do get some decent minutes here and there from their bench but um it's not the same team they don't they don't get out and run as like they used to um with Tank with the Murphy brothers so um it's a different team but excited to see um what they look like um we'll break them down um it's the same guys Tucker Tucker DeVries Roman Penn, Garrett Sturtz, uh Darnell Brody, DJ Wilkins. They have some new guys, Sardar, Calhoun. Um, sp- he spent time at Florida State, Texas Tech. Now he's here. Um, a, a really good guard to watch out for. Uh, then some other guys, they get some minutes from Nate Ferguson, Connor Enright um, from Mundelein, Scotty's high school teammate. Okai, um, pretty good off the bench, and Eric – Uh, Northweather, a big man, plays a little bit for them as well. So a lot of guys off the bench, they don't have production like they have been, so they're not as deep. So hopefully we can use our depth and wear them down as the night goes on tomorrow night.
0: That's true, because Tucker only is about 33 minutes a game, and I think that's when they get him out at certain points because they are deep, whether those guys guys are productive or not. Sometimes they'll have a lead to where – you can afford that and you don't lose the lead and you get Tucker back in. And that's how you finish some of these games. Uh, Yeah, we can, let's, let's we'll do the personnel first because we were diving through them a lot there. Yeah. A lot of people obviously know, you know, most of these guys. And I wanted to touch on, because we know Roman Penn was hurt at most of November before he came back. And shockingly, he only, he's second on the team in scoring about 11. He's still assisting. He's still doing everything. He's, Shooting fifty-one percent from the field, ninety-two percent from the free throw line. You know, and he's not really—he doesn't really shoot the three a whole lot. Hasn't really. He only missed one game, I guess, out of their fifteen so far this year. We just know he missed like the early parts or the the latter parts of the off season and training camp and all this stuff. But uh, you know, he's at t- only twenty-seven minutes. They're so kind of watching that with him. Maybe uh, Calhoun is their third leading scorer. Yes, he's tied with Sturds, eight point seven. You're right. We we knew about him because, Noah, they added him on the team before last season even ended, right? Correct. Like, he, like yeah, he's been on the – we've heard, known his name for a while. He just hadn't been able to play until then. I thought he was way bigger than he is. He is 6'6". He looks smaller, I guess, a little bit when he's out. So I thought he was like 6'8", maybe, like kind of that forceful wing that we've been striving to have. But in 20 minutes, he is getting those nine points and shooting. He's 90% from the free throw line and 33 from three. Sturz is his same old self, about 29 minutes with those nine points, six rebounds. Uh, that doesn't lead the team, but it's right behind the leader. You mentioned Tucker. Yeah, he rebounds for, we seem like he could be mainly offensive, like offensively driven, but he'll get rebounds for sure. And he uses his size. And I'll get to some things that uh, Darren said about him. But you're right. And it goes down to you mentioned Enright. He's played in every game, gets about 17 minutes, doesn't score. A whole lot, scores a little bit and does a lot. Yeah, he can. he's 19% from three, 69 from the free throw line, but he'll, I'm sure, be active. He's probably one of those scrappy guys that we're going to have to deal with for a long time. Uh, hopefully, Scotty can give us even more of a scouting report on him when he, when he does get in. You mentioned Okai. Darren talked about his impact as well with the three, eight minutes, four points. He will shoot the lights out. He honestly beat us at times in that tournament game last year. And some points last year. No, we know Eric North Northweather, transfer six ten sophomore, out of none other than Jefferson City, Missouri. We knew he was it was a big deal when they got him. He's played in every game, twelve minutes, only three points. But no, that's six ten, and he can come in and do it. So literally from yeah from Tucker to Northweather, and that is how many guys. If I can do the math here, that's about eleven guys. They they've played twelve, so eleven of them play. You mentioned Ferguson, and we know DJ is going to play well. His scrap and. Uh, you know, defense and on both ends, Brody's, and they they get Samake some, uh, some back, which is a big deal from Drake fans that they've been making. And getting him back, it was his first game, but he's 6'8". Like, he's adding what Bradley's getting from that other kid, international kid, arguably. And we'll see with production-wise. But he had 8-7 and seven in his last game in 12 minutes. So he's going to be a problem, no doubt about it. Uh, They score about 74 a game. Let's get to the Matchup predictor a little bit. They score 74, they allow 64, and they shoot about the same from the field goal percentage as us. They rebound better than us. They barely have less assists. They do block more shots and they don't steal as much, but they are dynamic as we know. I mean, they're the same, no matter if they're scuffling or not, they're still the same team, you know, as we know them as. They are 97th in Kempom right now. We are 101, so pretty even with them so far this year. Uh, Quickly, now, before I get into we get into predictions and some final thoughts here, because Darren did talk in the whatever, and they always look ahead to a team, and he gave us some praise a little bit, and he was asked about problems that they've had this year and some stuff that obviously we can know about and take advantage of. Uh, he said that they're not as dynamic in the open floor. I think you you mentioned that, but they're 118th in fast break points in the country. That's only about 11. Uh, even with most guys back. Yeah, they definitely missed Tank and Murphy. Those guys were the dogs that they needed on their a lot of their run last year. He said they're really not clicking on offense and inconsistency inconsistency overall and not finishing at the rim, he said. And he was he mentioned Tucker. He said he's gotten a lot tougher, stronger, and leaner. He's able to be more multidimensional as a scorer, not just as he said he was usually more of like a set shooter. Now he's not. Uh, he says they need to improve their – their consistency, he said, quote, in spurts of looking. In spurts, they look like the team people expected. Then for 10, 15 minutes, they're good. and For another 10 to 15 minutes, they're bad. They don't show a lot of urgency. In uh, three to four losses, they've had leads or late leads in the last couple minutes, and it came down to getting stops and closing out leads, and they're not able to do it, and they blow them, and that's how they've lost. I mentioned Wilkins. He, and he was asked, because people can say or see when they're watching them play, that Wilkins isn't 100%. He confirmed that. He said he's still getting his strength back and he's fighting like heck. Uh, but he said he's still not there yet prior. He's still not what he was prior to his injury. Some things to take from that, from his interview. You mentioned they're 0-4 on the road. That's notable. Uh, they only they get they're almost 200th in the nation in points per game from their bench. Yeah, they are deep and it spreads out a lot. It's about 20. We we barely I think we're like 180 something and and bench points. Uh the thing is with Drake is they don't turn it over, and you know they're they're really efficient clearly, but they're eighty only eighty first in assist to turnover ratio, uh, and I think I thought I had them, and that's obviously huge. So their turnovers because they're two hundred second in assists, we're hundred and third. So I guess their turnovers they don't turn it over a lot clearly. I think I already mentioned that maybe at one point, but other than that, I mean they're in the hundred and something's in their percentages, the three point attempts, uh. Indiana State only shoots more, uh, shoots more threes per game than us. We're 46 in the country in shots per game. They don't get a whole lot out there. 176, they only get up 22 a game on 34% as a team. So they're not going to do that. They're just going to ravage us in the paint. They don't shoot a whole lot of free throws per game either. Uh, and, they're, and they're 181st in rebounding with 36. We mentioned that's more than us. But they do not allow offensive rebounds. They just They rely on their defense and get defensive rebounds. But other than that, they don't really they don't really crash the board. So that's notable. We know Brody can get in there and that both teams force about. Yeah, both teams force about 14 turnovers a game. That's 160th in the country apiece. And I mentioned yeah, Here it is. They don't turn it over. They're 28th in the country, only turning it over 11 times a game. So that's notable. You're not going to be able to get them to get out of their comfort zone, even though Darren says they kind of playing like it. They're about as obviously surefire as they, as they get. I mean, they're picked first for a reason. So, Noah, with that being said, some predictions here. We are one-point favorites tomorrow. I was thinking it was going to be around even just because – but I think if they're tied in the analytics of 0-4 on the road, we're playing well. We are we only lost one home game this year. A lot I could tie into it. No, one-point favorites. What do you think on that? The over-under is 126. Your predictions, your dog of the game, and then your final thoughts.
1: Yeah, I really think um... – we need to take advantage of this one. Um, I think Ken Palm had us winning by two um, when they did the prediction of our schedule earlier this year. Um, So taking advantage of it, I mean, if you can, um, if we can lock in like we have defensively um, taking out some of their key guys, I mean, obviously we know DJ Wilkins, not a hundred percent like Darren said. So that's a guy that, yeah, they're an older team so maybe maybe they're starting to wear and tear a little too much and down the stretch here they could fall apart but if we can send them to a 2 and 3 hole before they have to play, host murray I mean um that'd be a good start to improve but um I like us at home I think we can cover that minus 1 easily that's basically a pick 'em so I'd like I'd take us at home um I would take the under whatever the un- over under is um because they averaged like 74 points a non-con, but since they've entered Valley play, um, they've only averaged 66. So that shows you the difference of non-con defense against in, in Valley play defense. So um, obviously only scoring 49 on the road at Missouri State's not great. Um, but that's the kind of game we're going to get into. It's going to be in the 50s, low 60s, so we can be able to take advantage of it. Um, quick dog of a game. Um, I'm going to go with, it's a tough, I think it needs to be, um, I don't know exactly matchups, but um, I know Tucker's probably going to get most of his, but I'm going to go I'm gonna go X, because I think he'll be on Roman Penn. I think uh, potentially Lance could be on Wilkins, uh, maybe on Tucker at some point. So I think X will be on Roman Penn. So we know Roman can be the difference maker. Um, we know he had his career high and a loss at Indiana State. But I think if you if you can control Roman, we know Tucker's probably going to get his twenty close to 20 a game. So control Roman. I know I'm not really – Brody's going to be uh, Brody inside, not worried about him. But it's those other guys you got to watch out for. The is that's always killed us. But I think if you can control Roman Penn, you have a really good shot at the end of this game.
0: For sure. And you mentioned Brody. I just looked back. He had 19 against Valpo in 34 minutes played. So he was doing it against Cricky. And we know Cricky's, you know, a so so defender. He's mainly an offensive guy. But exactly, you put him against our bigs. Like I said, Scotty playing is up in the air. We're thinking he's not going to. But just knowing when we play them again at third place, it's going to be vital having all three. But yeah, our bigs have to be big against him. I think he's improved. I think he is kind of just there. You know, he's kind of just there to rebound and do everything. He wasn't really good against Valpo, though. Um, yeah, they start him, Tucker, DJ, Sturts, and Penn, as we as we would imagine. So, yeah, you're right. And X on Penn, Lance, and Wilkins is about as even of like a how-they-play kind of matchup. That's perfect. We mentioned how, you know, Marcus – we did not want Marcus on Ben Shepard at all at times. And he's a little bit more shifty and quicker than Tucker. But we it's hard to imagine – I mean, Tucker and – Marcus are going to have to guard each other. We we're, we cannot expect, like, a lineup change. You wouldn't trust Marcus on Brody if they took advantage of that. You could see that at times if Marcus the strength. If you wanted to play like a Troy and have him guard Tucker, like, there's a lot of things we can do. And, yeah, I mean, having – and our bench is going to to be big in this game. You picked X. I think that's a good one. And speaking of X, he was on in the doghouse. We retweeted it, guys. Go check it out. He touched on some things of how he's getting more acclimated, how he's been playing a good listen and then uh they tweeted right before we got on here marcus and troy and the dog or just interviews in general and troy did mention uh ronnie asked him about Sturts and about if they're kind of the same kind of player if, if troy wants to kind of be like a Sturts, he said he can see some similarities but they're still different and troy touched on him wanting to uh shoot better he knows he can shoot better and they're going to fall at some point uh And obviously his defense. He said that his defense and his rebounding has been relied upon most from on, on that end of the floor. It's a battle of deep teams, and I it's tough to say because you know if Tucker gets you around twenty, you're gonna have to match him. I think Marcus. I mean, who's guarding Marcus? DJ Penn Sturz. or Tucker? Exactly. I I say that knowing that Sturts is the one. So we know, and Sturts gonna be one of the toughest matches Marcus has, but he can use his strength against them. But Sturz is going to be ravaging them, trying to steal it from behind and doing stuff. We know Marcus can get kind of lazada- lackadaisical with the ball. So it's tough. I want to say – it's honestly hard to say. You said – I want to say Jawan because he's got to come in and score, and their bench doesn't score. But I feel like we just need more, and it is 126. I'll take the under in that as well uh, just because of that. But they can go on stretches and get to that 70-something for sure. Against our defense, it will be hard, hard to say and imagine – Uh, Just hoping we can get, obviously, it's tough to ask for over 7,000 crowd in this one, but hoping people can know how good the team's playing and how fun it can be at a game if there's a lot of people there uh, with the $6 tickets that we get a lot of people in here to give us that advantage that we need. Because if we don't win this game, we know how hard it is and how unlikely it is we win at third place. So that's why it's vital to win these games clearly before. I know we mentioned it before that. You know, if you get this win, which we both like our chances, I'll take us minus one as well to escape like we didn't escape last year. Uh, but before we go at you and I and then go at Indiana State, this is a huge win to, you know, finish our roads or our home stretch here before we get back on the road with some tough matchups. I think this is a must win in that regard because you're right. If they get the two and three, they'll be looking at themselves in the mirror and it'll be, it'll be fun because we'll have that advantage. So a lot of tidbits of – what we can – what the team should do. I mean, we we read the stats. They know what they need to do tomorrow. So it's just managing their star players. And I think the X factor is Sturts. Besides Tucker scoring, it's Sturts making every play, making every loose ball kind of thing. So it will be hard. I'll take us as well. And I, I said, Jawan, you can pick anybody for dog of the game in this one. So until we talk to you guys again on Friday to preview the Panthers of Northern Iowa – and everything else uh, for what happens tomorrow. And a lot of good games. Keep an eye out for all of them. Uh, Until then, we'll see you guys at Bantera Center tomorrow night for Nick Malone. No alerts. As always, until then, go Ducks.